Welcome, everyone. My name is Peter Hackett. I am the Global Program Director for Cypher. In today's podcast, we are going to dive into the Cybersecurity Maturity Matrix Certification, or CMMC, as it's more commonly known by its acronym. This episode is part of a series of podcasts which we publish and is intended to educate the public about various cybersecurity topics, as well as highlight key capabilities of our company. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, I encourage you to subscribe so that you will be automatically notified when we publish future content. With me today is my colleague, Scott Krosky, the Global Chief Information Security Officer for Cypher. And for today's episode, we are also pleased to have our featured guest, Chris Saucier. Chris is the Federal Account Executive and CMMC Lead for NetBrain Technologies. He comes to us today from Portland, Maine. Chris, how are you? Uh, Pete, I'm doing well. Nice, uh, nice to talk to you today and uh, looking forward to having a good chat. Great, Chris. So, Scott, since you and Chris had worked together in the past, would you be able to provide an introduction for him? Sure thing, Pete. Uh, Chris and I met back at U.S. Cyber Command, where we both worked part-time as military reservists and uh, cyber warfare officers. So Chris has an extensive background in cybersecurity, working at Accenture, uh, Deloitte, and other various cyber consulting companies. And uh, in his role at NetBrain, uh, he's heavily engaged in the CMMC, and, and we're glad to have him on our podcast today. So with that, back over to you, Pete. Yeah, thanks, Scott. So Chris, in a nutshell, what exactly is the CMMC and why was it established? Yeah, sure. So, so CMMC stands for the uh, Cyber Maturity Model Certification. Uh, it's a cybersecurity framework, and it was a series of requirements that the Department of Defense established with the intent of ensuring that the defense industrial base is protecting the information with, uh, with which it is entrusted. Um, you know, for example, DOD may provide a contractor with technical specs uh, to build into a device or a platform. And uh, the DOD wants to make sure that there's a sh- some assurance that the contractor is, uh, is protecting it as, as they should be. Uh, you know, it was established for a few reasons. So, you know, number one, uh, really the protection of sensitive information, uh, as I mentioned. Uh, number two, it's because threats, and you guys are, you guys are well, you know, versed with this, but, you know, threats are continuing to agree, uh, increase, uh, you know, coming from other countries, uh, coming from, from sources you wouldn't expect. And, even insider threats like disgruntled employees. So ensuring that you have sort of protections around, around information that's, that's sensitive to you. And then lastly, um, you know, across the defense industrial base in the, in the past, the application of security was really the, kind of the wild west. You know, there really wasn't a lot of consistency among companies, uh, among, among those that are, are um, you know, doing work with the DOD. And so, you know, several years ago, DOD sat back and said, hey, we really need to simplify this into uh, a single set of standards. And, and thus we have CMMC today. And how does this differ from uh, DFAR 7012? Yeah, sure. So CMMC builds on requirements in DFARS by really adding two things. Uh, so number one, kind of the, the most important thing here is, is it adds a verification component. Uh, so what I mean by this is that uh, companies will actually have to go through a third party audit to prove that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing with regards to security. In the past, it was really, um, you know, just uh, trust us and I'm using air quotes here, um, you know, and, and so clearly that wasn't, wasn't good enough in, in, all, in all circumstances so that uh, the CMMC seeks to make sure that that is no longer an option. Um, and then the second thing uh, CMMC uh, differs from DFARS or adds to DFARS, I should say, is that it, it adds uh, a specific definition of what information needs to be protected. Um, this information is called CUI, which stands for Controlled Unclassified Information. Um, and there's actually the National Archives is, uh, has some really interesting training uh, that's, that's free and available if anybody's interested in, in looking, uh, looking at that. Yeah, thanks, Chris, for that explanation. Um, so what are the levels of CMMC compliance and can you discuss what they entail? 
Yeah, certainly. So uh, we, we could probably spend about 15 podcasts uh, going through <laughs> these things, but I'll give you the, the 30,000 foot description. So yeah, sounds uh, good. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't want to, don't want any of your listeners to, uh, to turn, turn off, but uh, so, so level one is, is uh, what they call basic cyber hygiene. It really lays out 17 basic requirements that are, that are largely based on the federal acquisition uh, regulation or the FARS. Um, this is real, real, you know, just, just foundational stuff like ensuring employee awareness, um, documenting cyber programs, um, and, and that sort of thing. It's a lot of just practices and, and things to, to, to think about. Um, from there, the levels add on to each other. So as you go up the chain, they, they continue to, you know, grow in complexity, and they also take over what was, what was below them. So, you know, we'll get to level five, but basically level five encompasses everything from levels one, one through four. Um, I'll jump to level three, and then I'll tell you why I'll jump to level three here in a second. But um, this is this is really the the category that the bulk of defense contractors are going to end up. Um, level two is seen as a stepping stone to level three, but but at level three, the DoD expects contractors are fully equipped to protect that CY that I, I just talked about. Um, the requirements are pretty pretty robust, and they do include a, a, a you know good mix of both technical and non technical requirements. All in, there's about 130 requirements that, that have to be met at that level three to, uh, to be compliant. And then because you have to go through an audit to get to this, this distinction, all of those requirements have to be documented and, and proven to the auditor uh, to, to get that successful audit opinion. Level four and five uh, add additional requirements uh, and make uh, the requirements much more active in nature. And what I mean by that is, is uh, you know, level five, for example, um, really requires active defenses against cyber attacks, against persistent threats, um, and they they um, you know must have um, you know pretty robust and and you know uh, potentially expensive and depending on what you're protecting, uh, you know detection and mitigation capabilities that uh, are largely uh, technological in, in nature. Uh, at level five, there's 171 requirements, so it's 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 a pretty you know it could be a pretty lengthy. Uh, process for companies that are looking to get to that level five uh, standard. And Chris, who, who should really begin to care about CMMC? You know, I know there's some buzz you know, that's being generated now that some non-department of defense entities may be looking to establishing some set of standards around cybersecurity. Yeah, those, those are, you know, it's a good, good point. So I think, you know, first off, the obvious answer is, is really anybody who's doing business with the department of defense, but this is at any level. So uh, you need to be thinking about it. Um, you know, and when I say when at any level, you know, this could be people who are doing work directly to the DOD. So they're actually, you know, on a contract directly to and, and, and submitting invoices, uh, to, you know, to the DOD itself. Uh, but it also could be companies that are that are in the subcontractor pool. Um, you know, right now, there is a little bit of leniency for, for companies that are providing what, what they call COTS or, or commercial off the shelf items. Uh, these are things that are, you know, not inherently sensitive. So, you know, I'm, I'm probably oversimplifying here, but office mm -hmm. supplies, everyday items, um, you know, everyday services, those sorts of things, uh, you know, those companies are getting a bit of a pass. Um, but back to the, you know, the, the, the subcontractor pool, um, you know, there are a lot of companies that supply to larger, larger um, defense, you know, prime contractors, for example, I think Lockheed Martin, you know, being the, the prime contractor for the F-35 Joint Strike Fighter, um, but they're, they take components from companies all over the country and all over the world for that matter, um, that, um, you know, there may be a, you know, a small, um, you know, engineering shop in upstate New York, for example, that's building a very specific part or a very specific fastener. 
Um, and those companies may, you know, in some cases may not even know that this is a, a requirement to them. Um, so the, the, the early estimate, and I've, I've heard this number very, you know, quite a bit is, is that the number of companies subject to CMMC could be over, over 300,000 companies, you know, around, around the country. So it's, it's a, that's an enormous, that's, over here, that's an enormous list right there. It, it absolutely. And, you know, I think there, there are some, some good resources. You know, I think the number one is, is, you know, if you don't know what you're, what you potentially are missing at this point, uh, if you are a subcontractor, for example, um, you know, it, it's in the, it's in your prime contractor's best interest to keep you aware as well. So, you know, contact them. Um, some of the larger companies I know for a fact have, um, you know, have some pretty robust capabilities for helping their subs. Um, so that that's you know, definitely a first, first place. And then the, um, you know, the, the other question, I think the, the, there is, to, seems to be some growing consensus, CMMC may be applied outside of the DOD, which, which you know, as you read through the requirements, it, it really does make sense. I think in the, in the, the federal world, um, you know, if I were a betting man, some really, you know, prime candidates I could see would be agencies like the Department of Homeland Security, Department of Energy, maybe even the Department of Justice, uh, given the, the type of uh, work that those agencies do so again that that hasn't been proven yet but but there is sort of some scuttlebutt that's uh you know circling about that that may be maybe not too far down the pipe yeah and chris you know it's interesting about that too is is uh you know you you had kind of given a quote there or not a quote but a, you know a statistic about three hundred thousand you know employee or businesses that supply the department of defense through the supply chain i mean if you open it up to where the Department of Homeland Security or, or the other federal government entities are now requiring cybersecurity around their, you know, controlled unclassified information or their sensitive information, like engineering specifications and whatnot. I mean, that list is just going to grow uh, that much more, you know? Absolutely. No, I, I don't disagree at all. It's, um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really hard to think about, but it, but it's, it, it's certainly, you know, very possible that, um, that those things might, might, you know, might be not too far down the, down the line. When we were on the uh, jock floor a couple of years ago, I remember talking to you about uh, D4-7012 and, you know, how a lot of the cybersecurity companies were gearing up to be able to um, and educate the community that, hey, you know, you're, you're selling to the Department of Defense and you have to do these cybersecurity things. And, and you know, most companies are like, I didn't realize that. But I feel mm -hmm. I wonder now, like over the last several years, so there's been a lot of education now. Um, you know, I, I would I would hope that, you know, there's a lot more companies that are at least aware that they have to do these things, uh, whether they realize that they're going to be held to the, um, you know, standards by through means of an audit. Um, again, that remains yet to be seen as well, too. But uh, uh, for any of those folks that are listening here that <laughs> fall into that category, just, uh, you know, these are things coming down the pipeline. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so, so Chris, so stepping away from, from the U.S. government contractors and the companies that sell to the U.S. government, how could CMMC apply to the private sector? Could this be potentially another standard that's used to assess cybersecurity program maturity? Yeah, it's, you know, it's really interesting. I think, you know, when I first got into, into the security world, you know, a decade or, or so ago, and we started looking at this, there were, you know, there, there's no shortage of standards, you know, there's no shortage of, yeah, of different, sure. you know, and, and in mm. fact, I remember going through an exercise with a client years ago and, and, you know, I, I was relatively, you know, new in the, in the security world and I actually found some of the standards kind of, you know, disagreed with each other, <laughs> you know, they were, mm -hmm. they were, you know, and in, in the conversation I had with them is, well, which one do you care most about? And they look back at me and like, I don't know, which one should I care most about, you know? Right. So it's, and so I think what CMMC does is it, is it's, it's doing a, a fairly successful job of kind of collapsing a lot of 
you know, really good best practices and a lot of really good, uh, well thought out, well vetted um, uh, standards, frankly, from around the world, because it was, you know, it was gathered, um, you know, largely from documents from, you know, US sources, but there, you know, certainly were some UK elements added in there, some Australian ones as well. So, um, you know, I think, I think, internal culture of security is really required for, for any organization. I'm, I'm not, I don't tend to be a very paranoid guy, um, but I think there are a lot of vulnerabilities that are exposed unknowingly by employees on a daily basis. You know, something as simple as allowing employees to connect their smartphones to the company network when they're in the office, uh, which doesn't seem like a, uh, it's, I've forgotten what that looks like, but um, you know, using company owned laptops on, on social media sites, um, you know, in a lot of cases, employees are not really, educated to, to know what those simple actions may be, you know, doing to the organization in terms of risk. Um, and don't forget, some companies still allow this stuff to happen, you know, so they're actually, you know, creating the environment to where they, uh, their employees might be doing that. So, so what I think CMMC does, and even that level one is, is it really provides a good checklist for organizations to, to sit down with and go through um, the process of thinking through their security posture um, and because, it, you know, as I mentioned, it's vetted uh, or it's, it's, uh, it's based on a number of vetted uh, frameworks, um, you know, there's a lot of just really good, you know, thought, you know, leadership, if you will, that, that exists within that, within that framework. Hey, Chris. Um, so I know that you are passionate about developing a culture of cybersecurity. Uh, what are your thoughts on how someone can take the framework of CMMC and look to build a company that is cybersecurity focused? Yeah, no, I think Scott, that's that's a great question. I, I think you know, again, it, it does provide that you know that 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 good baseline. You know, it's 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 just a lot of there's a lot of good questions, a lot of good requirements in there that each one of them you know would you know require an organization to go through and, and think about the answers. You know, and and just because it may have a technical sound to it, um, doesn't mean that you should just ignore it. You know, you really should. Um, either, you know, either educate yourself um, if that's possible or, you know, frankly, bring in people who uh, can work through that with you to, to build that to build that framework. Um, you know, again, I talked about some of the unsafe practices of, you know, things that employees may do or, um, you know, mo most of them are not done maliciously, but they're, you know, they may be done forgetfully or they may be done, um, you know, just just, you know, sort of um, just out of, out of laziness in some cases. Um, so, instilling the, the awareness within your organization that, that certain things are not allowed and, and, under, and, ex, and explaining to people why they're not allowed, you know, training them on, on how they can, um, you know, be secure in their, you know, in their world and, and thinking about what they're, what they're doing on a daily basis with, you know, sensitive data um, or with, um, you know, uh, you know, anything that, that might need to be uh, protected. Where should companies start if they do not have some sort of dedicated internal security function? So as you know, in most small and mid-sized companies, cybersecurity is an additional duty added to typically, you know, the one IT, you know, person that's in the company. And they're also doing, you know, the uh, registering visitors or, you know, mm -hmm. you name it. So, you know, what, what, what should companies be focusing on there? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, it, it's really a tough one. I think, you know, the, the expensive answer is to find somebody to help you with that. You know, it's, um, it's not a bad idea for large companies or companies that have, you know, complex uh, situations or, you know, even, even some, you know, some moderate sized companies that, that might have the budget for that, but you don't really have to wait, you know, to start that work. I think a lot of stuff can be done internally by, by just focusing and acknowledging that you, you want to go down that process or go down that path to, to understanding um, you know, in the, in the past when I would, 
but I would sit down and do risk assessments with, with organizations. You know, I did, did some stuff in the, in the public sector, did some, a lot of stuff in the private sector as well. Uh, and the very first thing I would do is sit down with them and say, hey, can you, you know, let's, let's take an inventory of all of the data that you have on your, on your systems. You know, what is it that you need to protect? And, and the, the first answer was always, well, we don't really have anything sensitive, you know. And then I would say, well, what about employee data? Well, yeah, I guess we do have some HR records. And, uh, well, what about your customer data? Yeah, you know, we've got a lot of information on our customer data. We, you know, we store their their cups, their payment information on on one of our servers, and and then like suddenly the light bulb will go on, and you get, you know, the next thing would be like, well, you know, last year one of our customers provided us some technical specs on a on a you know a widget they were building, and they wanted us to do some fab work, and man, I, I think we I think we still have that lying around here, and I'm like, well, geez, would you, do you think your customer might want you to protect that, <laughs> you know, if if it's sitting on your servers, so. You know, really, the first step is just understanding what you have uh, and thinking through that. That there might be not some obvious answers. You know, some of the some of the obvious things may um, you know may not you know may not be as obvious until you kind of sit down and, and think think through it. What's in your perception? Um, you know, sit back with your team, the people who are who are running your business, your operations folks, your you know your HR people, your financial people, and just you know have a session or two and and, and sit down and think about what you have, and then think about the consequences of, of what happens if that information were lost, if it were stolen, um, or maybe, you know, you couldn't access it when you needed it, you know, and th- things like that. And I think that's, that's really just the, you know, just the first step. And, and you know, in using a, a, a process like CMMC um, can help answer a lot of those questions and at least give you um, guidance on what the next question should be and, and perhaps what to do about it. Yeah. And, and even when you look at like the NIST cybersecurity framework, the first, you know, first of the five security families is identify, right? You have to know what you need to protect at first. And if you don't know, um, you know, you need to find out because you can't be, a, you can't be a business and, and say, oh, I have nothing to protect because every business will, once you start peeling that layer back, like you highlighted in here, um, even HR records is something you have to uh, um, do. And I, I like that, um I like that example that you had at the end there about um, sitting down with the stakeholders and at least talking about what the impact is. So kind of like, you know, in the privacy world, when you're looking at uh, like GDPR, for example, you have to do a data privacy impact assessment. Um, you just do an impact assessment and say, okay, this is what, what this, this company, like you say, this is sensitive information. What happens if somebody gets access to it that shouldn't? Or what happens if, um, you know, you can't get to it? Uh, what does that impact, you know, how does that impact you? And then based on how they respond, you get to understand then, oh, these are the types of data that become, you know, the most sensitive within the company because they were rated high by, you know, impact on integrity and high on impact to confidentiality and availability. It was high as well too. So now we know this is where we need to focus on our security controls. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's a big deal and it's, you know, it can be, can be a, in some cases can be a, a tough exercise to go through as, as you just pointed out, but, but it's, you know, it's, it's really foundational to every, regardless of what framework you're thinking about, it's, it's step one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, uh, I guess with that, Pete, uh, over to you. So, so Chris, any final thoughts for our listeners today? Yeah. You know, I, th- I think, um, you know, I, I really appreciate that to some people, this stuff can be really overwhelming. It's, you know, it can be very complicated or at least appear to be, um, you know, one thing I would say is there's, there are a lot of really good resources out there, both, you know, free and, and paid, of course. Um, the, you know, the, the CMMC site hosted by the DOD has, has a lot of really good information. I, I mentioned that uh, the National Archives uh, training, there's some, some good, um, you know, some good presentations that people can, can sit down and, and you know, think through. 
Um, and then of course, you know, using doing a quick internet search can turn up a lot of, a lot of stuff. And I, you know, I think the, the last thing I would say is, is, you know, whether you're looking at compliance from a, on a CMMC standpoint or just that culture of cybersecurity, I, I think the most important thing I'd like to put stomp is that, um, you know, it's really important for organizations to not run from this stuff. I mean, I think you, you know, just because you, you know, you may not, may not be completely comfortable with it or, or maybe not, maybe you don't understand it, you know, it's, it's really important to, you know, perhaps reach out to people who, who might understand it, who can help you. Uh, who, can, who can help you think through the questions uh, and, you know, the solutions of what you, you know, what you might need to do to get to a comfortable spot. And, then, you know, as Scott mentioned, you know, as you not knowing or ignoring what, what protections might, might need to be out there, um, you know, is, is not a, you know, it's really not a good business practice or, you know, for any, any sense. So, you know, I encourage people to, you know, again, to either educate yourselves or, uh, you know, bring in somebody who can, can, can work with you, and, uh, you know, build that uh, sort of foundation of, of security that uh, will, will keep you safe and, and out, of, uh, out of harm's way. Great. That was an excellent uh, you know, wrap-up, Chris. And Scott and Chris, thank you so much for your time. This has been very informative, and I look forward to our next podcast. And we hope our listeners walked away today with some valuable information. And please remember to subscribe to our podcast, and you will be automatically notified when we publish future episodes. Thank you. Thank you.